0: Hey everyone, welcome to Swipe Club. I'm your host, Robert Woodley, bringing you the do's and the don'ts of online dating. So I want to start off uh, with the elephant in the room. I know a lot of people have come to me and said, Robert, how come your last episode has been uh, you know, a few years back? And um, I just want to clear that part up. So there's been a lot of stuff going on in my world. It was mo- ma- mainly um, grad school, school, um, my mom passing away unexpectedly at the, uh, young age of 68 years old, just last year. And, um, I had, uh, I was engaged for a short period of time, 90 days. So you can let those 90 day fiance jokes kind of slide in there, but, uh, school's done. Um, as, uh, we recommend to our clients, I've had my full year of almost a full year of healing and feel good. So I wanted to get back out there and start. And, uh, what's really cool about this, First episode back, episode number seven, is that I've got two amazing therapists with me. I've got uh, Angie here, and I also have Heidi. you guys say hello?
1: Hi, happy to be here.
0: So, um, Angie, why don't you tell us a little bit about you?
1: Sure. My name is Angie. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in two states, in Arizona and California. I have been in the behavioral health field since my early 20s. I have a specialty in childhood trauma and a focus on relationships the last 10 years, premarital counseling, couples counseling, singles dating.
0: I feel so little next to that experience right there, but that's awesome. So um, Heidi, who graduated with me from uh, GCU, go Lopes. Yes, go Lopes. uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and um, you know what brought you into uh, mental health and uh,
2: counseling? Yeah, for sure. So I got my license about a month ago. So I'm a baby therapist. Um, but currently, the practice I work at, I'm specializing in trauma and LGBTQIA plus community issues. Um, what got me into mental health is that I've had a lot of mental health stuff throughout my life and I saw how therapists helped me and helped me navigate through all of that. So I wanted to, you know, grow up and give that back in return. So here I am.
0: Awesome. And all three of us, I can kind of speak for all three of us, I think, to say that we're all in the dating world. So we know how it is. We're trying to uh, balance dating relationships with, uh, these, uh, this, this career, right? This career that does take a lot out of you. Yes. So in saying that, um, I want to talk about what I've seen in the dating world. And maybe, uh, the listeners might be able to relate as well, um, over this past few years, since I've done that last episode. And I think today what I'm really seeing is, um, a lot of jadedness, a lot of bitterness. There's a lot oh, of people yeah. right now that are dating that have been doing it over the past few years. And they're like, this sucks. I'm deleting my apps and I'm getting off.
1: Absolutely. I've had several clients delete their apps um, with a little trust. I've convinced them to get back on there. I can understand why people are jaded. There's definitely some horror stories, poor experiences, waste of time. But I think there really is a way to have a quality dating experience A couple things are out of your control, but I don't think our daters realize how much is within their control.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think also when you bring up the jadedness that people are experiencing, what comes to mind for me is just a lack of communication for for both men and women. Yes. I think that the way it ends, which I don't know if you all have been ghosted before, but that's a big one. Yes. Um, I think that obviously leaves a bitter taste in your mouth, so...
0: I love that you brought up communication because anybody who's listening to this podcast and might have been uh, following my TikToks, if not follow me, Robert. Woodley, Um, I've been putting out a lot of videos regarding communication and how important it is. And I call it our superpower because if we do it right, it is a superpower mm-hmm. and um, it can really make things flow a lot easier and be a lot smoother all the way around.
1: Or it could be kryptonite.
0: It it can be, right? Especially if you're the one doing all the communicating and the other person is kind of sitting there staring at you. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely agreed. I love what Heidi said about ghosting. I have a firm philosophy that if you cannot properly end the dating experience, do not start it. You're not ready. Mm
0: -hmm. I like it. That's really good. That's really good. I think um, going back to you're not ready. Here's a a part, and I want to see what the two of you think. So from a guy's standpoint, uh, you know, obviously dating women, I don't want to say obviously, but dating women, um, one of the big things that I've come to the conclusion of, I think at least 50% of the women on the online dating apps that are out there are not ready to date. I, that's how I feel. I feel like they haven't done the work. They haven't healed. They're looking for the rebound. They're going from relationship to relationship and they haven't taken the time to do the work. I don't care how bad that last person was, that last individual was that you were with. You were at least 1% of the problem and you need to figure that out. You need Mm. to fix it or you're going to bring it to the next relationship. And I know that I've taken the time off and I've healed and I've come correct with myself and really figured some things out and saw things that I was doing wrong that I needed to do better moving forward. And um, I, I feel like I've, I've corrected them.
1: I think ready is about respect. Mm-hmm. No individual has perfect behavior. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have stressors in our lives where we're, where we're not the best version of ourself. It's about communicating respectfully where you're at and what your intentions are. It's OK to mm-hmm. stumble along the way as long as you're honest about it.
0: Absolutely. And it's that honesty and transparency, right? I found I found that when you get into a relationship, And on day one, if you're as honest and and as transparent as you can possibly be, it feels amazing. It feels amazing. It feels, you have a freeing feeling. And anybody listening to this podcast should start doing that as say, as soon as this podcast is over and do that with your significant other. And you'll find what a huge difference that makes. It it just, it puts out really cool vibes overall, I think. Um, and, I'd like to hear what the two of you think about this, but I think the stigma of seeing a therapist and getting counseling is going away. It's getting, you know, uh, better and better. I think more people should go find a therapist, talk to that therapist, even if you can get out just a handful of, full of sessions in there before you start dating again, before you get back out there.
2: Absolutely. I mean, if you don't fix yourself or work towards fixing the issues you have, you're going to bring that into the relationship. And I feel like we see that a lot nowadays. And to really be honest and vulnerable and have a good relationship, you also need to be accountable and be able to own up to, you know, your mistakes or to work through them. So I think a therapist is so important for anyone, especially if you're going to be
1: dating. Agreed completely. Going to therapy is like taking your psyche and your brain to the gym. You need regular (sighs) maintenance, workout, focus, mindfulness, you need to take care of yourself regularly, body, mind, soul.
0: Absolutely. And I think I think another thing that um, everybody who's listening to this podcast should do, they should uh, finish listening. Once you finish listening, I think you should get on Google and find a attachment style quiz. Mm. Take that free quiz. There's a ton of them out there learn your attachment style and you're you're more than likely you're gonna come across as an avoidant or an anxious Mm -hmm. or maybe a certain type of avoidant, which can be really uh, challenging and bring that with you in your back pocket, go see your therapist and say, Hey, I think I'm this, help me find out better if I really am this attachment style. Um, Figuring out your attachment style and figuring out the challenges around that attachment style is going to be huge when you go and do any type of dating out there.
1: It's really hard yeah. to truly get to know someone else when you don't know your own self. So it's important to spend some time building that relationship with yourself.
0: Right. Because if you have somebody that is a, has an anxious attachment style and uh, somebody who has an avoidant attachment style and neither one of them is getting help for it, it's a perfect storm disaster waiting to happen. And that's exactly what's going to happen. it I can almost with certainly certainty say it's not going to work,
2: and what's great is that, you know, a lot of people have an insecure attachment style, but it is fixable. Like you can do the work to move towards a secure attachment style, but at least along the way, you can be aware and recognize what behaviors of yours might be coming from that insecure attachment style, which it would be great for a relationship.
0: <laughs> I'm giving every listener who's listening to this, that's their homework is to go find out your attachment style.
2: I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great.
0: <laughs> um, I, I think that's really important going in. And then once you get there and once you start dating and meeting that person, this is gonna sound cheesy or corny and you guys can laugh at me if you want, but I think knowing the love language is the, that next step. Yep. So if you know your attachment style, um, and, oh, and I also wanna say, I mentioned anxious and avoidant, all of our goals should be secure. Yep. So when you look that up on Google, a secure attachment style, that's what you want to aim for. Mm -hmm. And then the love languages.
1: And it's okay if you're not there yet. There's so many muscles in our body that we've never worked. No one has trained us how to use them. So it's okay to seek out help and start flexing those communication muscles, attachment muscles, problem-solving muscles. Learn to use them for the first time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And with an insecure attachment style, that's not your fault. (laughs) That's what you were raised up in. That's how you were um, treated as a child. So none of it's your fault and we can all get help for that.
0: That's an excellent point that you just brought up, Heidi. And the reason why I say that is some people might be apprehensive to go to therapy because they think they're broken or they think they did something wrong Mm -hmm. when it's not. A lot of people don't know it, but your attachment style stems from, you know, all the way back to, you know, maybe even before you learned how to walk. So, it's not your fault. And if you do this Google quiz and you find out that you're off as far as your uh, attachment style goes, or there's some challenges there, go get it fixed, knowing that you're doing the right thing. And it's not your fault, as Heidi said. Absolutely. How, what are your thoughts? I'd like to know both of your thoughts on the love languages now that I brought them up, because I know some therapists hate it. And some paratherapists like it. I happen to believe in them because it's a strong form of communication.
1: I love the love languages. I have clients ask about them all the time. It's something they're familiar with. It's something that they can relate to. We have to speak their language if we're going to form a connection and go on this healing journey together. So I love them. I wouldn't limit them to five. Certainly individuals can have other love languages than the five the import, the important thing is you're talking to them about your partner or the person you're dating yeah i think it's really important
2: to have that conversation when you start dating someone because they might have a different love language of how they receive love or how they show love so to have that conversation up front you'll begin to realize oh this is a sign of you know affection or love from this person whereas you might not have thought that before so
0: i think a big thing to also bring up is that so many people, when they look at the love languages, they want to communicate with their significant other with their love language. Exactly. I think that's is that the biggest mistake.
1: Absolutely, yep. you need to speak to your partner in their language.
0: Yes, and that's what a lot of people aren't getting or understanding. But it's it's so so important.
1: Yeah, if it's reciprocal, it's a beautiful experience. If both parties are speaking to the other person. In the other person's love language. So
0: Angie, with your experience, I got a question for you on love languages. What would you say or what would you think? And this has happened to me more than once in my past. When somebody says they don't want to take the love language test or they are very apprehensive in either a finding out what their love language is or disclosing it.
1: I would want to ask why. What is the hesitation? What's the obstacle? And it's perfectly okay. We have to meet our clients where they're at. We want to understand them and why they make the decisions they make so we can help them. So the starting point is a conversation about why.
0: I believe it also ties into their attachment style. Mm. I believe that a avoidant is going to be that much more uh, likely to not go there or talk about it or bring it up for whatever reason it might be. I mean, that's, that's a whole other, you know, that's a whole podcast episode right there, right? Where, and we we should do that sometime too, you know, and just kind of focus on the, uh, the avoidant and the anxious and the different type of avoidance.
1: I think individuals that have an avoidant attachment style, they will initially be rejecting to everything in therapy. And everything in life, Mm -hmm. they're going to be doubtful. They're going to question what's presented to them, but that's okay. It's a starting point. They're there. They're willing to have the conversation. And that says a lot. That's courageous.
0: Exactly. Going off of what you just said. Now I've known avoidance that would not go to therapy Mm -hmm. and I've met avoidance that do go to therapy. I think that's huge. When you have an avoidant that's willing to go to therapy, That's, I think that's amazing.
1: It takes a lot of strength. And what I can recommend is give it one session. You do not have to commit to three months of therapy. Try one session and see how it feels for you. Mm -hmm. And that first session might be a fit. It also may not you shop around for doctors, you shop around for mechanics, you have to find the best fit for yourself and your personality. So give it a try here and there. Try a couple different therapists, one session.
0: So in your experience, when you have clients coming to you, is it normally the anxious that's that's dragging in the avoidant? For couples? Pretty much, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: It's not the other way around.
1: It is the anxious dragging and the avoidant, and that's okay. We can actually start couples counseling with just one person. We can do relationship counseling, even if there's only one individual coming to the sessions, because the work that we do with that individual, they're then going to take home and use it with their partner. And that might make the couples counseling experience a little more attractive to their partner to be willing to give it a try.
0: Good. Good. Yeah, I, I think that's, um, you know, as long as both people want it to work, you would hope that the reluctant one would say, okay, I'll I'll go for one session, two sessions and try it and see what it's like. At least get to the point where you're building up the, the relationship with that therapist and then it's good. It's all good. Or you hope it's all good. You know, getting back to what we were originally, you know, got us this topic. I think there's a lot of bitterness out there. I think even the people that are being bitter, I think by going to, they probably think that they don't need therapy. They think they're the people that they're bitter over need therapy. Mm -hmm. But I think even if you're listening to this podcast and you're just getting your over relationships and you're over dating, go see a therapist and at least understand and learn why that other individual who's opposite you might be doing the things that they're doing or saying the things that they're saying or whatever their actions might be. I think that'll clear things up a lot. So I mean, that's one of the big things that, uh, I've seen over the past few years since I've done the last episode and have heard from a lot of men and women, they're just over it. And there's been some other things that I'm going to kind of backtrack on now. So people who have listened to my other six episodes might laugh at this, but I know I was kind of against the long distance dating and I think long distance dating can be okay if both people have the right intent behind it, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and the right communication, right, always goes back to the communication from the forefront. Um, I know in uh, in previous episodes, I talked about, you know, having a geographical radius. And, you know, uh, we talked about the uh, geographical geographically undesirable people, I guess is what a lot of the daters call it. But, you know, I've tried it. I've tried the long distance, um, actually with a few different people over the past year. And, um, I found it, and and this is going to, some people will laugh at the, uh, saying it's. You know, metaphysical or whatever. When you start talking about vibes on people, but I've had it where I've had text messaging, phone calls, dozens of video FaceTime, uh, conferences with somebody. And it feels like it's amazing. And you know, you drive six hours to meet the person, they drive six hours to meet you in the middle and there's nothing, it's flat. I've oh, wow. That. I've had that and we're both like, you know, what do you do? Yeah. And
1: he, you have to fold something else into that trip, a museum, an yeah. adventure, <laughs> Activity, an outing, right. a hike. Yeah. That's you know?
2: interesting. That That really kind of shines a light on the importance of that physical chemistry. And if that's not there, you're building on something that, I don't know, isn't supposed to work out in the end, I guess.
0: You're exactly right. And that's yeah. what I'm getting at. There is something to say about having that that personal biological energy in the room mm-hmm. between two people uh, where it's either there or it's not. Yeah. And it wasn't.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up, Robert, because as therapists, I'm sure you both know only 7% of communication is verbal dialogue mm-hmm. the other 93 yes. percent is facial expression body language interactional styles so you are missing that other 93 percent when you are solely interacting online on the phone mm-hmm. through you get a little more through facetime but there's definitely an energy shift and a vibrational shift in person
0: yes absolutely Absolutely, and it's you know within the first five seconds, yeah it it just you know we both walked into the room or the the spot that we met, and we kind of just looked at each other, and there was no energy it and was you guys flat. had
2: done video chats before as well,
0: probably eight hours in total,
1: wow, okay, yes, it's important, yeah. our energy communicates
0: right and yeah. it's there or it's not and what I'm getting at too is you sometimes you just can't get it and I always say this to everybody dating's a gamble
2: mm-hmm.
0: and there's no way that I could exchange that energy with that person without meeting them face to face and um, it happened face to face and you know there it was or there it wasn't right it's one <laughs> of the two so I think um, one th- thing I want to uh, kind of end this podcast with real quick is, and we probably should have done this, you know, earlier on in the beginning, but let's give the listener who's listening to this right now, just a quick one or two sentences of what a anxious attachment style might look like and what an avoidant attachment style might look like. So I'm going to say, I'll start off with an anxious. I'm going to say, and, and both of you can build off of this mm-hmm. if you think I'm wrong. So if you're listening to this and you're in an anxious attachment style or your partner is, they might seem a little needy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might seem like um, they they rely on you. You're more the center of their universe or you become the center of their universe. Uh, they're uh, very dependent on you and they they need to hear from you. They need to be feel secure yeah. about you all the time
2: need a lot of reassurance
0: a lot of reassurance that's a good
1: one anxious attachment style is worriers it is people that are clingy it is people that over psychoanalyze too much
0: and the avoidant the avoidant can come across as very dismissive um very uh they seclude themselves a little bit uh, some highs and lows. Well, they'll be really, really into the relationship in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then sometimes they'll fade without any rhyme or reason. And then they come right back. And then they fade again. And then they come right back.
1: Avoidant is skeptical, questioning everything presented to them, doubtful, negative at times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They
0: too. Oh, I was just going to say that they, at times, too, they'll think that they're not good enough.
2: Yeah. Hard to accept love sometimes and hard to give love sometimes too.
0: Absolutely. I think all of those. So like I said, we could probably do a whole podcast episode on attachment styles, but for the listener and the people that are listening that um, I know we're going to take this quiz as soon as we finish here, Yeah, um, they can kind of see how they mm-hmm. fit in there.
1: Definitely take it.
0: Excellent. So this was awesome. I, I am so lucky that I have both of you here with me because I love getting both of your perspectives. This is awesome. And, um, until, uh, I definitely want you guys back and we're going to do episode eight with you guys. Sound good.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. Awesome.
2: Thank you.